the day and I'll go to school tomorrow. First impressions are incredibly important. Honey, you can make a wonderful first impression. Brenda, how could you? He was a jerk, okay? I've made my choice and I choose me. Beverly Hills Nato Twin O fans, welcome into Nato Twin No So, a Beverly Hills Nato Twin O podcast retrospective series. I am JT, and joining me as always is my brother in arms on this journey, Mr. Tim. Tim, how are you? JT, I'm pretty pumped because uh, I don't know if I was ready for this episode. Um, pretty juicy, both in subject matter and in plot developments. I mean, we. I feel like we've been waiting for for this one for a while, and not knowing when we were going to get it, we were we're a little bit starved for a for a real meaty episode here. And mm. wow, does it deliver! Holy crap! Yeah, I mean, like you said, we felt like we've been a little bit of lull. We had some filler for a few weeks after the Emily Valentine stuff. Um, we looked at you know focused on Steve and the family stuff. We had Christmas, Fire and Ice, um, and you know, so we're kind of. Settling in now to what really feels like the final stretch, the home stretch. We got what one, two, three, four, five, six, eight counting tonight. So like we're really going to be ramping up to the home stretch here. You know that we're going to get. We have three February episodes starting tonight, so we know we're going to get some sweeps action with some heat, and then you know we're going to get like a big couple finale, like final episodes. I'm sure going into the cliffhanger for season three. So, um, mm. do we know like had this already been picked up? It had to have been right for season three. I'm sure they knew at this point. I can't imagine it wouldn't have been right. You know, the show's a bona fide hit for Fox at this point. Mm-hmm. It's it's already got a spinoff coming, which um, I, I don't know how much would have been publicized about that at this point, how much people would have known really publicly what's going to come. Um, now, are you going to start uh, that pod in conjunction with this and then <laughs> like do the same episode the same week? You know, we hit the season three, you do the do the Melrose uh, pod that goes hand in hand. The, the Melrose Noso podcast. I, I, look, I'm not going to say there's you not and Jimmy Grunberg. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say there hasn't been demand for it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I know. I know. There's been, there's been questions. I know you're a diehard. So could be, uh, no. could be our own little backdoor pilot <laughs> into the Melrose Place podcast, mm-hmm. you know, at some point. So, um, but tonight we have a lot contrast. to focus on. Like you said, it's a big episode. It gets a big rating. So we'll talk about it in a minute. Let's bring in our third guest, uh, our third person, uh, our first, only guest, <laughs> third person in the booth yeah. tonight. Uh, he has been with us before, of course, uh, multiple times. And that's our good friend, Mr. John Kesselika. John, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for having me back. And yeah, JT, like you said, it's nice to have, you know, hockey season is over, apparently, in, in Beverly Hills. Uh, mm-hmm. hope, they, hope they had a good end of the season. Steve put it together in goal. Uh, and we can now focus on some real drama and and introducing some some new characters who are going to be with us for a long time uh, throughout seasons, but also just uh, interjecting some new new uh, challenges for characters that really haven't had to play a big part so far. And it really gets exciting for this last half of the season. It definitely almost feels like, um, you know, in football where they say like your rookie season, you, you kind of start your your 
like becoming a player like the last like four games or whatever right like your rookie season ends week 12 and the back end is kind of kind of like school too like your last month or so being a junior basically like a senior it feels like these last eight episodes are going to be focused on setting up like their next season like it feels like the mm-hmm. season really kind of ended with emily valentine in a way um mm-hmm. and we've had a couple of fills in between and now it feels like this is all to set up like what season three is going to be about. That, that's that's the vibe I get. Uh, so let's dive into everybody's talking about it. February 6th, 1992, our 21st episode of the season, 43rd overall. Got a uh, really strong 19 rating. So down from the peak of Christmas, a little down from Fire and Ice, above competitive edge. And uh, it'll be a, a roller coaster to the end of the season. We're going to go up and down, up and down after this. But... Uh, I'm actually a little surprised, I'll be honest, that our next episode takes a bit of a dip off of this. I would have thought like a lot of people would tune in out of this episode. It's a pretty big one. Yeah, yeah. So you would want uh I mean I, I think the way they, they end this one, as we'll get into, um, would really leave the viewers wanting a lot more. I, I mean yes. I kind of wanted to keep watching after this. So uh hmm, that's that's a little disappointing to hear. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, obviously they're loading up. We talked about it for February sweeps. This was, I believe, a Winter Olympics year. So they would have been ongoing. So like, I don't know if that could have affected the rating at all. I don't know if anything big happened Mm -hmm. on that February 13th, the week after this, perhaps. Maybe that we can look into that next episode, but maybe. Because they did the winter. Did they do the the winter and summer Olympics the same year for a while there? before? It was always the same year. Yeah, yeah, this is Alberta. It's the last year before they split them in '94. Yeah, they do back to back winter in '94. Like they do two and years in '94, and then they start to rotate from there. Yes, yeah, the summer. Okay. Yep. Yeah, this is the dream team year. This is like the first, first big, uh, first big year for that. Yes, and then '94 would be Nancy Kerrigan. <laughs> so, yeah. mm-hmm. um, anyway, we'll get there. All right, let's get into the episode. At the Walsh house, there uh, the whole family's there. So it's Andrea and Dylan. They're watching the news. Um, I didn't. I didn't fully get this guy's name. Did they call him Ebony Bear? Was that the reporter's name? Did either of you catch that? Okay. Um, it was something like. It that. sounded it like Ebony, kinda... but it's it's a white dude. But <laughs> I could have sworn yeah. that his name was Ebony. Um, Maya Shore for Ebenezer. <laughs> I don't know. But um, and then I thought they said Bear at first, but I think they said Bear anyway. Uh, bear uh, is giving a story about sex. Episode on and find out. <laughs> sex. Yeah, see if you can find it. Uh, about yeah. sex education. Um, they have footage from a local march. And in that march was editor of the paper, John Griffin, who we've seen before, this guy. He's kind mm-hmm. of been he annoying named dude. here. This yeah. is his first name, right? He gets named. Yeah. yeah. Gets and he's an editor, name. apparently. And I thought he was just like he's a, a managing editor. Yeah. 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 So, uh, big deal, man around the blaze, John Griffin. Uh Andrea is on, on the news. Mrs. Teasley is there, and we see Brandon's elbow. Um, is, is hidden by someone else in a hat. So we don't get to see all of Brandon. Uh, one man is interviewed. He says, this education, uh, sex education, is a waste of taxpayer money. They should freeze the funding. There's a big vote tomorrow by the Board of Education. That wraps up. The family kind of debriefs. Jim and Cindy head to bed. And uh, Dylan and Brenda start to make out on the couch. And Brandon and Andrea sit there awkwardly making small talk <laughs> about the newspaper and whatever, the vote, as uh, Dylan and Brenda are, are getting after it on the couch. So that's how we start. We go to West Beverly. Uh, Griffin is bragging about – by the way, they love the name Griffin, I feel like, and John. <laughs> I feel like both names come up a lot in this Yeah, story, so. yeah. 
Got to give him the double. The double. He gets, yeah, he gets name. the Jordan Catalano treatment where we're getting his full name every time. Did you see John Griffin on the news? But then we get a John Sears and a Griffin Stone later. <laughs> another John and another Griffin later. Oh, yeah, yeah. They love the names. Uh, we're at West Beverly. Griffin's bra- uh, bragging up being all over the news with Andrea. Andrea says she was at Brandon's watching. And uh, John gives to give a look. He's like, oh, I tried to call you. You didn't answer. She's like, yeah, I was watching Brandon. Uh, Kelly is – this. these scenes are hard to do. Like, we're full in. We talked about this last episode, Tim. The tracking shots, like, they yeah. are loving these right yeah. now. Like, we get a bunch in this episode. And they're, they're all really good, but it makes it hard to, to track what's going on. So if I jump around, just assume it's these tracking. So Kelly comes in. She kind of takes a dig at David and Donna and Mel. Uh, you know, she's kind of sick of seeing David and Donna canoodling. And basically, you know, David being friends with her best friend reminds her of Mel. And she's not really still a big fan of Mel because dating her mom. They're at the blaze. Andrea is doling out assignments. Mrs. Teasley comes in. She has some disappointing news. We find out that uh, the big sex survey got canceled. Apparently, they were going to do a sex survey on behalf of the Board of Education, and they bagged it due to the news story. Andrea and John are ranting about ignorance. Steve comes in. He's mad because he goes, what happened? I was supposed to get out English lit for the sex survey. Mm-hmm. Andrea says it was canceled. And Steve says, damn it. I got to read Brave New World now. <laughs> he walks away. Uh, it was a funny little bit. Uh, Brandon, Donna, and Brenda are angry too. Brenda, uh, Brandon says Andrea really laid into Mrs. Teasley. So uh, he's a little bit worried that she may be in trouble. Donna says her mom is happy though because she just wants to ignore teen sex. Andre goes into full stat mode, right? All the uh, team pregnancy and aid stats. Everyone is kind of like, all right, whatever. <laughs> Guys start to glaze over. <laughs> She's going through the numbers. Andrea reads some of the sex survey questions. And, uh, you know, everyone's kind of taken aback a bit. But John says he wants to work close with her. Uh, and... She's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. And she's like, no, I figured out how to fix this. We're going to the Board of Education meeting tonight. We get to the meeting. Andrea and John are in the crowd, and she's very nervous. John says, don't worry about it. She wants to bail. He says, you're already on the docket. It's too late. Andrea gets called up. She stands up and says she petitions that they should make condoms available at West Beverly High. Two board members immediately vote yes. There's a third one that's very nervous. We cut to the peach pit where John is hyping up Andrea's performance. Donna, David, Brandon, and Brenda are there. Uh, Nat's happy, too. He says he wants to help. Brandon goes, Nat, you jungle stud. <laughs> I don't know what the <laughs> fuck that means. What? Jungle stud. And Nat's a big jungle stud. Uh, Nat says he would lock his daughter in the closet until she was 35 if he had one, though. And uh, everyone kind of laughs. Uh, I don't th- I don't think it was a funny joke, honestly. It was kind of weird. Uh, but everyone thought weird. it was funny. Even Andre laughs. Uh, Donna says her mom would love to do the same and that her mom will be at the big parents meeting, obviously, as will Cindy. And the parents meeting at the parents council is going to determine if this bill moves forward. So, Tim, what do you think these first three scenes kind of establishing the premise? Obviously, there's, there's a big uh, kerfluffle around sex education. Andre wants the condoms. Now it's a jungle stud. <laughs> what are your feelings early on here? <laughs> Okay, my my first feeling is that uh, according to the closed captions in that opening scene, the reporter's name is Evan Eber, according oh, I, to the, I was uh, really the, off of that. <laughs> the anchor at the dust. But she says it very quickly. And it, it does she sounds like she's novel. his Ebony Bear. <laughs> Ebony, yeah, in my heart, he's Ebony Bear. So apparently it's it's Evan, this reporter. Anyway, um, so I like that opening scene where we see right off the bat the gang's all here. They're gathered in the Walsh residence. Very cozy, very, very fun to see those scenes. Kind of reminiscent of our uh, our Christmas episode. We saw a few episodes back. And um it's 
there's so much setup going on here where not only is the episode sort of preparing you for here's another issue of the week, right? Where we talk in teen sex and sex health and yada yada. And you're like, oh God, here we go. But we're also getting all these little reminders of characters who have been on the show before, but we haven't seen that much of like John Griffin is back. He gets a name and a title. He's going to play a big part here. Um, they're really rolling out the red carpet for uh, Felice Martin, <laughs> Donna's mom, who, I mean, I think the first time we saw her, she was way back in the first season, played by a different actress and had a completely different name. So we're kind of pressing the, the reset button on that character and, and that whole relationship. Now, uh, digging into to Donna's family life a little bit. Um, which is a pretty big deal. That's uncharted territory for this show. Uh, and Andrea is is taking up this cause. So Na- Nancy Martin the, was the name of the, the first mom. Nancy, yeah, that was the original uh yeah. Donna's mother, Nancy Martin. Yeah. So this is gonna be uh Felice is such Felice. a way better bitchier name. It's <laughs> such a better, yeah. It's uh, it's an improvement on all levels. Um so we're getting the characters in place now for the roles that they are going to play in this episode. And it's interesting to me that it they sort of do role reversals, I feel like. And, and we're only hinting at that right now where I feel like the characters who are a little bit more sexually experienced, we will say, um, have more perhaps conservative attitudes towards this whole Mm. sex ed thing in public school. Whereas the ones who, you know, haven't done it yet are only talking about it um, are a little bit more impassioned about, Hey, we, we need a real education here from our public school system. Um, And we're going to see how that plays out throughout over the course of this episode. And um, I don't know. That's when I kind of want to track because it was something that it kind of struck me midway through watching this uh, the other night. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if they're, you know, so much of this can threaten to feel like um, the characters turning into mouthpieces for the writers. You know, we've talked about the writer's room. It's a bunch of like, you know, boomers in the 90s who Mm -hmm. are at the same time like these old california hippies probably and they're gonna have more relaxed attitudes they're gonna be more on the side of um hey uh sex education is a good thing like let's let's uh fight against ignorance here in our public school system but you've got to you've got to inject that with some drama you've got to put some conflict into it so even though realistically i feel like a bunch of Beverly Hills, you know, high school kids who are pretty engaged, you know, civically, I guess, yes. um, would be like much more, of course, we're all for like sex ed in school, right? Like it just seems like a more o- mm-hmm. logical take that they'd be very united in this. We're going to see actually conflict within the gang right. and they're setting that up here. John? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, Tim, that conflict comes from just the the impassioned takes you get from from Andrea and John Griffin's side of mm-hmm. thing, where, as we'll see it play out, I guess, where it's, it's the group that is less experienced and whatnot that's kind of leading this charge 
uh, for more education or for more activism on this side, which you know puts our the characters who we've already established as sexually active or having a, a history in this case in a different role and actually lets us get a really really broader perspective from them in a in a meaningful way. It it shifts a lot with these characters within this episode, whether it be you know Dylan, who we'll see later, and Kelly. Um, very, it, 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 it's done a lot of, the show's done a lot of work up to this point to establish kind of their personal life histories and sexual histories to give us a feel for how they would respond to an issue like this. And then mm -hmm. kind of flips it for us in this episode, which I found really interesting. Um, I think the opening scene's great, except, you know, hanging out at, for the 10 o'clock news or 11 o'clock news, I'm not sure, still at the Walsh house, it's a place yeah. to gather. Right. For that. Though I will say, true to life, like I would watch 90210 at, at my friend Scott's house and you know his mom would be watching with us at 10 o'clock after it was over and the news would come on. So maybe it was a situation like that. Uh, Dylan gets off a nice well, Mrs. Walsh thinks we'll be getting up to bed <laughs> and things are cozy there, looks great. But, um, fun scene to set it up with that dynamic that is going to shift throughout and my big takeaway from this first these first scenes was i got concerned that we were going to just be in for another hey let's lay all stats and issues out on the table because andrea yeah. just goes on for about 45 seconds with like just reading off a cue sheet of last year there were <laughs> there were this many yeah i mean this is clearly people. the the real education part of the episode for viewers right like we've seen this before with, with these topics and mm -hmm. they'll rattle off the stats and make sure like it's it is acting it's, it's a psa as well my other takeaway <laughs> i don't know if you guys noticed this but to me this was very noticeable in that in those early scenes here with andrea in the hallway with the students it was the first time i really maybe just on this rewatch i was like she is far older than all of these actors <laughs> like at this point and maybe it was the subject material and what she's talking about that was like this is not a high school or the how how she was dressed but I was like, this is not a high school junior at this point he she also i think they tried to like make her look they they dressed her up more here. Usually she's a little yeah. bit more like yeah. frumpy, you know. Like, but like they, I think because she's on the news and and in front of these, so they tried to like do her up more. So I think it almost made her look older anyway because they had her kind of dressed up like like someone that would be on TV. It, she's, yeah, up. and she's far more composed than any yeah. high school junior yeah. would ever be. Which I mean, that is the character. I guess right, that's been established. Total, yeah. Like, when, when I'm thinking of, but you know, yeah. when I'm thinking of high school junior. I'm thinking John Griffin's like, sorry, your ugly mug didn't make the cut, Walsh. Like I'm thinking that. Kind <laughs> right, <of>. right. <laughs> They're also, you know, I was surprised how much they and they played it up a little later that that Brandon would actually feel bad about not being on TV for this news story at first. It seemed out of place. But, yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, so, that uh, said, the parents' council meeting is going down at the Walsh House. It's a packed house. Of course, it's the Walsh House. Uh, we meet Felice Martin. Felice Navidad, indeed. Uh, she <laughs> comes with Donna. Jackie and Mel are there. They all kind of greet each other. Andrea arrives, and Felice says, oh, this is the infamous Andrea Zuckerman in front of me here. 
Mel introduces Cindy to Bill Slum. Slum, I think his name was. Um, Bill Slum, we'll call him. Uh, he wants to know why kids are at this parents-only meeting. Why are these darn kids here? Bill's angry. He says he doesn't want kids to have access to condoms. And even worse, condoms paid for taxpayer money. Mel is yelling back at him. Uh, he's very impassioned about the condoms. Uh, he said we have to take action before it's too late. Jim calms down the scene. The crew is watching as Felice comes in and says, uh, comes up to uh, give her presentation. And she says, my husband, Dr. Martin, is out of town. And he's actually talking about this very subject with his constituents. Felice says that condoms are an effective way to protect STDs. But more people somehow keep getting sick and dying. So are they really working? We don't know enough about AIDS. We don't know that condoms are the answer. We get some chatter and some buzz. Felice says they barely survived the sexual revolution. And she's tired of the condom excuse. They owe their kids more than mixed messages. And Brandon says Felice has a point. She says the 100% reliable advice would be to wait for marriage and stay abstinent. That gets some applause. Steve wants Andrea to say something. But Donna pipes up. And shouts her mom down. Slum says, is this a student council meeting? And Jim says, I want to hear what she has to say. Let's just let Donna take the floor. Donna's nervous, but says, if you say kids shouldn't have sex, you're overlooking one or two facts. Kids have sex and they're kids. If you have a pool, you can tell your kids not to go in. You can put a fence up, but they're going to find a way in. So you may as well teach them how to swim. Jim and Cindy are kind of proud. Uh, Andrea is pumped. And Felice is fuming. Afterward, we take a break. The Walshers are debriefing after the meeting. Jim says Bill's a good guy. He's a nice father, and he knows him from racquetball. Cindy says it's hard talking about sex with your kids. And Brandon says, well, not with me. Remember Cheryl from Minnesota? And everyone just kind of smirks. Uh, good callback. Yep. <laughs> and Brenda's like, it's not easy for everyone, Brandon. Cindy says it's easy with the media exposure, and Magic Johnson brought it to light, and Brandon and Brandon joke about Andrea and Donna leading the next sexual revolution of all people. Um, they're the they're making the headway. Uh, we go to West Beverly. David is excited that Donna was so vocal and persuasive about sex. He gets told the story by Brandon and Steve. They troll him a bit, and David says, should I make a move? And they kind of don't say yes or no, they, but they kind of lead him to a yes. David asks if the condom plan is going to go through. And Brandon says it did pass uh, by a couple of votes at the parents' council, but it still has to get by the Board of Education. Steve says, why don't you just go buy some? Stop waiting for the freebies. Begin. Andrea is uh, being interviewed by the news at The Blaze. And John says they're national news due to the vote. And that Beverly High doesn't even have a condom program yet. So they're kind of in the front uh, forefront of this movement. And that has put them into the national landscape, John. So what are your takes on the big parent council meeting and the immediate fallout here? Well, I'm glad John Griffin and, you know, West Beverly could be trailblazers uh, in this movement. I know his dad really believes in this cause as well. Uh, I thought David was some of the best David we've seen here. Just this like really, really eager, uh, you know, handsy kid and still kind of play, showing his age and his kind of naivete. And I, lo I loved his approach of so when's this plan going to get passed? Like, because then we're just going to be able to get him here. <laughs> like, there's no other way he can do everything. And we see that throughout because then he's going to talk to Dylan and everything, too. Uh, I thought the council meeting was well played by the adults. Just some great, high, you know, just angry, angry men mm -hmm. yelling at each other before we get. Uh, Mrs. Yeah, Martin. I didn't like even really capture the um, 
like all of the argument. Like Mel and Slom really go at it. Like Mel oh, is yeah. pissed. Mel. He's really pissed. I couldn't catch it all, but if you watch the episode, it's, it's worth watching this episode. He, uh, they really lay into each other. <laughs> they are not holding they're, back. They're angry, and then then you get composed Felice Martin coming in, and what an entry point for her. We've we've just heard her name mentioned. They're like, oh, Donna's mom's going to be there, and she gives a wonderful, like, simple monologue, very composed and sure of herself, and uh, you know, obviously, like even convincing Brandon a little bit. It's like, yeah, hey, she's got a mm-hmm. point. Uh, she's not played as the cartoonish, really evil person that we would see her in later seasons. No, I thought no, this no, was, no. <laughs> you know, this was actually like pretty nice, uh, especially compared to you look at this side by side with like the Jackie intro episode where Jackie was just yeah. all out, like kind of manic at the beginning. Here we have a, a much different, uh, yeah, she person. comes off as a as just a concerned mom concerned who parent, has yeah. a belief system, right? Like it's not a crazy belief system uh, mm-hmm. to have at this time, given everything that was going on. Like she's not wrong. Everyone's saying condom, 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 but there's still a ton of people get AIDS. Like what's going on, right? They're still figuring yeah. this out, you know, and we just went through probably, this, right? Like COVID, probably goes to the strength, that probably goes to the strength of this episode is that they didn't take her that like complete, like black, black and white. But there opposite. is, but there is a scene at the end that yes. kind of hints, <laughs> Kind of yeah. hints a little bit of like what's to come with her and like how she is like a almost like a quiet assassin. You know what I mean? Like she kind of uses right. her mm-hmm. like, yeah, she comes off as level headed and, you know, beliefs and this and that. But yeah. it's very clear, right, that she ends up using her power. There's to make some, something, there's something yes. there still. Yeah. 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 So she was a little sneaky about it. But Tim, what do you think of these? Yeah, I I would fully agree that. The Felice Martin character, um, she says so much more with her body language than with her words, which are are very measured and reasonable and sounds like, you know, she's got good intentions, right? And like, this is something that's important to her and she's coming at it from a good place, even if her um, recommendation is, is maybe... Um, not the most realistic it, it seems like seems like she's coming at it from a good place but she also just has that very domineering way about her mm-hmm. right just in, in her i don't know i and i can't even put my finger on it exactly it's just her her posture her her gestures it's all there it's all baked into the character from the start here um so just great acting on her part um it's funny how the uh the PTA meeting, as, as belligerent and heated as it gets, um, plays out a lot more like what you would expect from a school board meeting Yes, today, yeah. which, I mean, we saw that earlier. Is, that was very, there. that was very just calm and um, not a lot happening with John and uh, Andrea making their their case and, and being heard by the board who were yep. going to, you know, take this under consideration and, and that's that. And we don't really see the blow up until the the parents get together and and try to talk it out. Um, I do think Brandon in particular kind of just comes across as a huge square and be like, oh, she's got a real point. I mean, it just, (laughs) again, I I guess that is kind of the character, right? That's Brandon, though. Yeah, Brandon's going to listen to everybody and be like, oh, yeah, that's right, too. (laughs) Everybody's got a point. Just, I don't know. Yeah. but at the same time, I, I do still think this is they're keeping it nuanced enough that that nobody feels particularly out of character. And it's pretty good 
um, just dramatic writing for, for this series and for this subject matter. And uh, yeah, good stuff with David there. Just the eager beaver thinking that if this thing gets approved, they're going to have condoms in the bathroom like tomorrow. Just that's not how it works, dude. Sorry. (laughs) Um, And then we're also seeing the characters who are kind of, there are some characters who are, I don't want to say sitting it out, but you don't necessarily know where they stand just yet. Like Kelly hasn't had a lot to say so far. Steve hasn't had a whole lot to say other than, he had hoped that this would be an opportunity to get him out of lit English lit yeah. class. Oh, yeah, he was excited. Um, yeah, he was excited about that. He's so angry when it comes out. Why did I get out of English literature? What did you do? <laughs> what did you do, Audrey? Why was there an assembly um, for the survey in the first? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dylan's been kind of uncharacteristically mum on this mm-hmm. this issue, but we He's will been resolve. mum about everything. Honestly, like yeah. Well, God, you we'll can—they're about... simmering him so much. Like mm-hmm. he—I know he started hot, so I think they wanted to cool it before it goes crazy again. But like mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. of the Iris episode, he's—he's he's been pretty chill. Yeah, like we haven't Low really profile. gotten much at all from him. No. So we'll we'll see that start to turn around here towards mm-hmm. the end of this episode. We'll see where truly everyone stands. Mm-hmm. Um, good Donna moment, right? Talking. Talking back to her mother, essentially making um, very solid counter arguments, um, basically saying, wake up, lady, you know, you got to be realistic about this Um, and not coming from a place of, hey, I want to have sex. So you need to just deal with it. Right. And then we'll Um, see that even more later, which we're going to see. Yeah. In a big way. That's absolutely not what she's saying. Uh, And then I like a good little moment with Jim taking up for Donna saying, hey, Mm -hmm. I want to hear what donna has to say we hear so little from her usually i laughed at his red um, sweater because i felt like a christmas sweater that he had like yeah it looked like he was at a christmas party the way that the sweater looks. it's it is a little bit mr rogers it is a little Christmassy for uh for february also um but this uh this little post-meeting wrap-up with the walshes and they're they're just like so enlightened right there's just like there's mm-hmm. this post sex ed household because both of their kids are already doing it <laughs> they've right, already yeah. they're they're done that yeah they're over it so in some ways they don't have i guess a horse in this race it's that's a, probably the wrong expression to use here but uh you know they're kind of like we, i mean it's it's happening whether we want it to or not and it's not comfortable to talk about but yeah i mean We've got to have these discussions because um, everybody has a take and everybody's worried about their kids. And even within this friend group, people have different levels of experience. Right. So it's, it's all, I guess they're looking at it as this is all valuable, but at least we can be in some, in some respects, a little bit above it. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I like that. They, are acknowledging that and not pretending like they don't know Brandon banged his out of town girlfriend under their watch in the first place. <laughs> Cause that's, that's something that they would probably come up in the writer's room. Like, Hey, do we go here? Like, I know it was first season. We're not totally acknowledging a lot of those weirder aspects of the first season. And to their credit, they don't just blow it off. So I appreciated that. Yeah, well, and it, they play it off too well because it's like it's almost like he Brandon assumes they knew, 
and it's kind of mm-hmm. like they didn't. <laughs> so he kind of like blew up his own spot. But then right. they all just laugh about it. So it's kind of like, yeah, they're yeah, past they it. all like, just whatever. laugh. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think Tim, sorry, I think no, Tim, no. I should have mentioned about Donna, like great job on Donna stepping up. And it goes back to what Justin said at the beginning, how we're feeling like we've got some players and we're, we're giving them some new, some calling some plays for them now. Right. And we're actually getting them in the mix. And Donna, yeah. in a she's big come a way, long way, this moment here, mm-hmm. she's got, like she's had some moments here and there, but this is some actual character development for her throughout this whole episode, which is, which is way better and with felice i was just thinking about it as we're sitting here talking that's it for her she comes back for the one scene at the end justin at the vote but mm-hmm. she doesn't say anything she her dialogue's done for this episode oh, right we her, just hear... in a way i think that scene well, well let's talk we'll, we'll talk about when i get there but there's something about okay. that scene that i think actually speaks more than what she says don has mm-hmm. been in like on a roll since scott's birthday <laughs> like right. i feel like that was uh when she really like stepped up and since then it's she's been much more present in in the stories um and that's ostensibly obviously she started dating dave and it became a storyline so yeah yeah this may be this may have been her first (laughs) monologue really i mean she's certainly had more lines she's had more to do and more screen time but i don't know that she's ever had like an extended monologue before no no that scene at the uh, parents meeting with uh and felice martin played by Catherine cannon by the way so that's why I was trying to remember. She will be right till the end. So (laughs) you played her because she's she's really great at this Mm -hmm. character. Tim, I know you're using the the screenshots. You might want to check. One thing I had from of note from the council meeting was was Andrea wearing. It looked very familiar to me. The white blouse. Is she in the same outfit from the carousel with Brandon? In (laughs) when she's like pitching to the pitching to the to the student council that they need to have condoms. It looks like identical. Yeah, me from that. I think so. <laughs> All right, we're at school. Mrs. Teasley pulls Brandon aside. David and Donna recap what happened. Mrs. Teasley's not happy that Andre didn't get clearance to be interviewed and now is demanding a sex survey uh, of her own. The other one got canceled. She, she wants her own. And Mrs. Teasley says she needs to tone down the passion. We don't want it to jeopardize her position as editor of the paper. And Brandon says he will talk to her. Mel, Jackie, Donna, and David. This is very 90s. They're at a Japanese restaurant. They're sitting at the table. Like you would, this is like the epitome of like rich in the 90s. If you were at like a Japanese restaurant with your shoes off, sitting like a little cushion at the table, eating sushi. So this is like definitely presented as like a high end place. Uh, They're talking about all the big news. Jackie says her stomach is on the fritz and says Kelly was a wild child, so she got an early sex talk. And Mel just makes a joke and says, yeah, well, you just give a boy a copy of Playboy and say good luck. Uh, like, Mel, uh, Kelly says condoms are necessary, but not in school, because those stu- kids aren't ready for it. Boys will be throwing condom balloons out the window and are all obsessed with sex. And David disagrees, which obviously is not the case for him, anyway. David talks to Steve the next day about his awkward awkward condom buying experience uh it was like the classic calamity you hear on any sitcom like oh the mm. lady was calling out the price check on the condoms and all the different kinds and he shows steve his haul <laughs> looks like a trick-or-treat bag um and he offers say hey, he wants some and steve's like no i'm good uh kelly is talking to brandon dylan and donna she tells the blaze uh she tells brandon to tell the blaze to leave her out of things she refuses to do the personal journal and Brandon just says, well, Kelly, your name came up. Uh, I took it as either we're friends or, hey, everyone knows you're promiscuous. Uh, so we want you to do this journal about sex. Uh, Donna and Dylan also say they want no part of it. 
Kelly says Andrea doesn't take no. And now she's asking them to hand condoms out on the street. And Brandon's like, what? He confronts Andrea and John, who says his uncle sent them condom pamphlets. Like, apparently his uncle has, like, a health talk show or public yeah, access show. Uncle, that's right. <laughs> and uh, he sent them these pamphlets. They hand them out after the show. And uh, Brandon says he should have been consulted about this. He's part of the editorial board. Brandon pulls Andrea aside. She wants, he wants to know why she's so obsessed with this. And Andrea says her sources say the board is delaying the vote. And so now they can put some pressure on and maybe get to the table to negotiate. That's what happened in Massachusetts. The student council were able to put the put the clamps on. Brandon says he should have been asked and not told and says he's got a job. He can't always be here when they make these decisions, but he should be included. Andrea wants to ride the momentum. And Brandon says, get a life of your own because you're too caught up in saving the world and you're alienating all your friends. Brandon says the only people that respond to these types of tactics are already on her side anyway. Andrea says Brandon is jealous that John got on TV and that she's in the spotlight. And Brandon says not everything's black and white, not with him and not with condoms. They argue some more. And Brandon says there's feelings involved with sex. And maybe if she had more experience, she would know that love is not a public health issue. And of course, Andrea storms off. Brenda gives Brandon shit about the way he talked to Andrea later. Uh, he says Andrea is likely scared about always being a virgin. And she's obsessed with Brandon. And his statement has made things worse. Dylan comes over. He gives Brenda a big kiss. They head off to the, to the quad. David and Donna are making out as well. And John tells Andrea he's worried about the vote, but she's confident. John offers to pick up Andrea, but she just says, I'll meet you there. John says, the first journalist come in. And it could be a page one story. Andrea's kind of checked out and yesing him. John says, the first one is called, okay, so I'm a virgin. Uh, but she pieces out quickly, wants no part of it. Andrea sees Brandon and Steve and ducks away into the girls' room where she sees Brenda and Kelly. Kelly tells Andrea she's not writing the journal and says there's a fine line between informative, informative and sleazy. And Brenda's like, well, do you know where that line is? Uh, Brenda says uh, she will be writing her piece and it's not going to be sleazy. And Andrea is basically like, I'm ready to be done with this whole thing. And Brenda says, look, we'll do the vote and we'll celebrate after. Andrea runs into Brandon in the hallway. She's still salty. Brandon says he respects her being outspoken. He wants to take back what he said. And he won't be at the board meeting because he has to work at the peach pit and wishes her good luck. Andrea just basically blows off what he said and says him apologizing for what he said was bad enough to already hear, uh, you know, how inexperienced she was. But now apologizing makes it even more pathetic, basically, uh, because it's true. So, um, Tim, what do you think? Uh, up, uh, everything up here, up to the board meeting here. Uh, so real quick with David and the condoms, um, it, I do think it would, but it would have been funny to actually see that scene rather than hear about it. But I get that you have limited. It might've been too campy though. Maybe yeah, well, goofy, you know what? You know? I, I did appreciate that. They didn't go for the obvious joke of, right. Oh, we got all Magnum dong condoms. Or, oh yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I, Were I Magnums even sure a thing in 91? Was that, was that like I, later? I mean, I'm sure there was yeah, an equivalent at least. Um, Cause that joke has just been around for so long. Right. So I was sure they were going to go there and they don't. So I was like, all right, at least they showed a little restraint here and, you know, let this be a little bit comical, but don't push it too far. Mm -hmm. um, ooh, boy, does Brandon really step in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this, this part of the, this is this whole episode is not a great showing for for his character. I feel like he Andrea, uh, poor Andrea, is such a punching bag for him. Like, she, oh like it's God. just constant. Well, yeah, and, and on the one hand, um, I 
I can see like where both I, I can see where both of them are coming from, honestly. And again, we see how this writing is pretty true to the characters, um, as sort of as much as they're like kind of forcing the drama for the sake of this, you know, very special issue episode. Um, it just Andrea is one of those characters who I admire for her just tenacity and, and her crusade against ignorance here in this, in this episode alone. It's like, it's like very, um, it just, it's a good look for her, right? It's a good look for the character and you want to be on her side, but at the same time, she does have a tendency to push things a little too far, um, which she is, she is threatening to do. She's kind of, She's trying to get ahead of all of this opposition that hasn't even necessarily come her way yet, right? So that's where Brandon has a little bit of a point where he's saying, look, you're threatening to alienate people who would otherwise really be on your side or who just haven't even made their minds up on this whole thing yet because you're being too pushy about it. It's not even so much what you're saying, but the way that you're saying it. That's probably the way he should have framed that, but then to turn it into, well, why are you even so worried about this? It's not like you've even done it before, right? <laughs> Which is basically what he says. And it, whatever hurt that that's going to cause is just compounded by the fact that it's coming from him. And by the way, Brandon, where do you get off bitching about how, why was I, why was I not consulted as part of the editorial board when, Two weeks ago, you're whining to Andre about how you don't even like being a reporter. You're just a sports reporter at that, and you'd rather be an athlete than be the, the sports <laughs> editor, you know? And then when when you washed out on the relay team because everybody was doing steroids, <laughs> apparently he just went crawling back to the blades. I mean, that's not really spoken, but – it was just, you know, a week ago, two weeks ago right, in, yeah. in the minds of the viewers. So Brandon, maybe stuff it as far as, well, I was not consulted. Well, are you in or are you out as far as this paper? Because lately it's kind of seemed like you haven't given a shit one way or mm -hmm. another. Right. But he's still on the board. Right. But he's still on the and board. The real board yeah, structure so he, is always a little up in the air there at the blaze, it seems. <laughs> right? I mean, good grief. So. His really, this is like he got a bit of an ego check and then turned it around on Andrea, um, knowing it was really gonna hurt her feelings, and it does. And she, we see that, uh, again, credit to Gabrielle Cartera, she plays, um, depressed and defeated very well. When uh, the next day she's just like, you know, forget it, <laughs> like, I don't even care how this thing goes anymore. Um, Brandon sure put me in my place, so. Why the fuck do I even care about this issue now? And um, it's like, you know, it's it's really hard to have the strength of your convictions, whatever your cause may be, if if you don't have that confidence in yourself. And that's that's what we see as has happened to her um, over the course of this, you know, confrontation. But good stuff. I mean, good soapy drama. It's great, Tim. Yeah, to the point of Carteris there, that's it's such a it's so well played and so genuine in that response. Uh her her passion for this up through the first 20 minutes, 25 minutes of this episode is, you know, 
she's rattling off stats. She's the one speaking at, at the board meeting. She's, you know, getting everybody involved, making plans for things to do. And this immediately takes the wind out of her sails in a way that she's hardly listening. She feels like mm-hmm. she's not even uh, like, like things are happening, even positive for her and her movement. Mm-hmm. But she is too distracted and too disconnected from it now because of the way Brandon is just like really cut into her in that mm-hmm. way. And uh, I, I'm sure he didn't, I mean, he didn't mean to, but like just a total dickhead move on his part that the play that again, I think Carteris, like you pointed out to him, plays it so well. And it's really, uh, you can see how hurt somebody would be by that for when something she's believing in and trying to help can get cut down by the person she really cares for and, you know, just make her want to give it up or just not, not be concerned with it at all. That was, that was a real strength here. All right. With the board meeting, uh, Singleton votes nay. Feel votes nay. Sporkin votes yay. I'm just, these are the names I heard. I don't know if these are accurate. <laughs> Sounded like Sporkin. Uh, Gula is <laughs> one of them, I believe, uh, votes yay. And John's confident. It's two to two. And Sheila Manners is left, and she had already seconded the motion originally. So they're confident. They're feeling good. Yeah. But Miss Manners votes nay. And Felice smiles. And it's not even a smile. It's like a evil smirk, like a mm-hmm. evil overlord mm-hmm. smirk. And this is what I've been talking and hinting at. Like to me, this was way more chilling and uh, accurate of a portrayal of Felice than what she did earlier. Like this is the like secretive, vindictive, powerful Felice that we get to know, right? Like, right. Yeah, yeah, she sounded good out for, out in front of everyone, but here she leverages her friend confidently and quietly shuts down this whole thing that's why mm-hmm. she likely wasn't too stressed in her presentation because she knew at the end of the day she had this in her back pocket that she could crush ever with and yeah, i don't this really made away. it like yeah. stand out like this is felice you know like this using her power to just like crush whoever's in her way so um and it's not it's not ham like they talk about it but it's not like banged into yeah, the ground. Yeah, she doesn't no. do a super villain cackle or anything. Right. It, we <laughs> but just she, see the enough smirk to she gives is like, yep. She's that very was me. satisfied yeah. with herself. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, we find out after that, as the, the crew is kind of debriefing what happened, that Sheila and Felice are best friends. So they realize that they were sandbagged. John wants to pick it. Donna says they should go help John's uncle pass out pamphlets. The crew is behind, but Andrea just kind of leaves. And Brenda says, just because we lost doesn't mean we have to stop making our voices heard. We go to the peach pit. David is asking Dylan for advice if he should get a hotel room. He doesn't want to make a move in Donna's car. And Donna told him that Brenda and Dylan got a hotel room at prom. And Dylan is not happy that this news has gotten out to both Donna and now David. And David's like, I won't tell anyone. Dylan leaves. We go to the Walsh house. Dylan's there. He heads up to Brenda's room. Of course, she's not ready to go, but they're happy to see each other. As she's getting ready in the bathroom, Dylan finds a sex journal, and he is not happy because Brenda is writing about her pregnancy scare. Dylan is not a fan. He's not a kiss and tell. He doesn't do guy talk. He says it was a personal thing that happened, and he doesn't want her to write about it. Dylan says, forget it, uh, and I'm going to leave if you're going to go forward with it. And basically, she's like, don't leave. He's like, well, you're not going to do it. And she just looks at him, and he leaves. Brenda chases after him asks why he's so upset 
And uh, basically, you know, she thinks there's a need for this because she was scared and she could have been helped if someone had written an article like this and thinks maybe she could be here to help somebody else. Dylan says he didn't even get asked about sharing this very private story to the whole school. You have good intentions, but this is a private life. And right now, my private life needs to be private. And and baked into this is obviously because of his dad, right? Like he doesn't want anything getting out that could affect his dad or any kind of case against him. Uh, He says, of course, the students are going to know who the guy is because I've only been your only boyfriend and everyone knows it. So it's not going to be any kind of fucking secret. And she says, I want to keep things that way. I want you to be my boyfriend. Come back inside. The next day, they're all smiles on campus. David comes over, uh, comes over, comes over. (laughs) Brenda, Brenda, every now and then it slips out. Brenda dips uh, and David thanks Dylan for the advice. Dylan is confused. And David says, it's about timing. You can't hurry love. And they have to wait for the right moment. And uh, Dylan's like, what are you talking about? I didn't give you any advice. Uh, Donna comes over to get David because they're going to go watch some MTV special. Uh, so, John, what do you think of the the Dylan scene? Because to me, it's an important one because they have been all sunshine and roses um, since they got back together, since the pregnancy scare. And this was like a little bit of old, angry, drunk Dylan that we had in the first season seeping out, right? Like just enough to make you remember what's in there. Right. We get to remember that like he is still very private, you know, and there wasn't a lot. There was a, still some sense of mystery about him. Mm-hmm. And obviously he has this you know, family concern with his dad being in prison. That he needs to take care of. But I initially thought he was going over to meet Brenda to confront her about how David's hearing about them getting a hotel room and stuff. But mm-hmm. and I was surprised that he didn't bring that up at first. And I think maybe that was still in his mind, though, when he sees this as well. Like that's like compounding the issue. Mm-hmm. What you're talking about mm-hmm. us getting a hotel with Donna, and that gets around to other people, and and now you're going to share our story in a in an editorial in a newspaper. Yep. Uh, so this was all kind of hitting him, you know, at once, and then he was he's taking you know sense of like what he needs to do and saying this is not okay. Uh, I think they handled it surprisingly maturely. They didn't, mm-hmm. you know, he just storm off like I would expect in a, in a so for them to just like not finish having the conversation. The fact that they stuck together and and actually like, you know, you know, continued to have that conversation was was good. But uh, definitely seeds of Brenda's kind of impulsiveness and you know, where he might have been okay with it if had she, had he just like asked her first or asked him first and mentioned, hey, here's why I think this would be valuable. But then also he could have had that conversation. She would say, oh, no, you're right. We don't need to do it. The fact that they're not 100% on the same page is starting to creep in and that's going to really uh, could set Dylan off in some, some bad ways. Yeah. At, at last, some conflict between the honeymooners, right? Yeah starting to starting to uh see that spark again um and we've got dylan stepping off the sidelines here he hadn't had much to say on this issue and we find out that it's not so much that he's opposed to the movement itself you know sex education and schools it's that this is a deeply personal issue for a lot of these kids and the more you talk about it the more you perhaps personalize it and he, he makes the point that, Brenda, you've only ever had one boyfriend at West Bev. <laughs> Everyone's going to know who you're talking about, whether you mention me, mention me by name or not. 
Um, and John, you mentioned the kind of the the mystery that surrounded this character, uh, Dylan, when he was first introduced. And it it just occurred to me, wasn't there a rumor among many rumors about what this guy is actually like that he got some chick knocked up in France or whatever? Like, and that was in his first episode. People were talking about how <laughs> this was one of the things that that was one of the many rumors that were believed about this guy that were just completely unfounded, totally untrue, that probably bothered him to some extent mm-hmm. that people thought this of him for absolutely no reason based on no evidence. And here we are again. It's like, oh, Jack McKay's bad boy kid going around getting chicks pregnant at West Beverly. Yep. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I totally get where he would be like, uh uh-uh, no way. It's not right. just about I don't kiss and tell. It's this is the last thing I need in my life right now. And you didn't even ask me about this. There's a lot of ways we could have resolved this issue, right? One is we have this discussion. We we come to a mutual understanding beforehand. Or how about this? Just keep the submission anonymous. <laughs> so we don't yeah. even know it's coming from Brenda. Right. Um, I think that would solve a lot of these problems. But <laughs> again, to John's point, I, I like that we don't just leave it hanging. We don't have this, this argument, this blow up between them and that's it. Like we actually get to see, we see a fight between these two and it's resolution. So that's pretty nice and pretty admirable. Lulling us. They're just lulling us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Um, But they're putting it out there that things are not all wine and roses necessarily. Brenda with some wonderful soap acting delivery in the line of like Dylan's like, come on, Bren. How many boyfriends have you had at West Beverly? (laughs) (laughs) Only one. They they are just (laughs) I want to keep it that way. Yeah. Yeah, she buckles. I mean she buckles, but she realizes he's right. So she doesn't buckle just to like Shot like she's like okay like I didn't think of it the way you're saying it mm-hmm. and you're right it's not this writing the story is not worth like a problem with you basically right now so yeah it's one of these like this was important to me mm-hmm. but I can I can also see that your position is important to you right I'll let you have this one but maybe it's not always going to be your way or the highway in the future right when it comes and to it along line with where a lot of the the good intentions in this episode stem from of mm-hmm. at first like let's go and let's get all these packets out and everything and then people are like ah, i don't feel really comfortable doing this or like right. andrea's like we got to put out this special sex issue and everybody's gonna have stories well no maybe we don't feel so comfortable it, it's all consistent in that and by the way this i mean the vote that came down at the actual school board meeting that feels like it should be the wrap-up to this episode yes and yet now we are spinning off in all of these different Mm -hmm. very very character focused character heavy directions that yeah well we still got brandon andrea to sew up like that's not done Um, right and and uh, and then a big thing but there is (laughs) so much more i mean so much more that's gonna come about yeah we get the fallout yep we'll just get the get the fallout so john's rallying the troops for the big pamphlet program brenda tells andre she's out on the journal but andre seems resigned and basically like the whole thing's bombing i'm done i'm just done with everything kelly says she wants no part of it but brandon says it's a public service kelly says i'm gonna go shopping instead and that's a good deed i'm gonna help the economy which is a funny (laughs) line she leaves she they always give her the one-liner every episode the boys last episode um dylan shows up they head out to hit the streets 
Steve is sad that there's no dirty pictures in the pamphlet, which is another funny line. Steve, Steve was good in this episode. He doesn't get much, but like he, he nails his lines. Yeah. Andrea doesn't join. Uh, she tells John she'll meet them later. And then just says, I don't feel well, and I might not go at all. John offers to take her to the nurse. He is working hard. He's like, do Man. we take you to the nurse? Are you okay? And she says, I'm fine. Just go. Uh, he leaves, but Brandon stays behind and says, Andrea, you're making me feel guilty. Not a good line. Andrea says uh, it's her feelings that got hurt. And Andrea and Brandon, as always, makes her smile by saying, oh, so you're on the her and you're the her tea, huh? And they both kind of crack a smile. And Andrea says, I'm tired. I'm burned out. I'm done with condoms and tells Brandon to go meet the crew. Kelly goes back to the blaze to get her chemistry book. She asks Andrea what's going on. Andrea says she's a hypocrite. She educates people about safer sex, but she's a virgin. And Kelly says, look, you're better off being a virgin. Andrea says Kelly could get any guy she wants at any time. And Kelly's like, no, I can't actually. And Andrea says, what guy has ever turned you down? The guy that you wanted. And she says, Brandon Walsh did. He turned me down at the spring dance because he told me I'm like a sister. Andrea's flustered. And you could tell like she's kind of happy about that. And Aunt Kelly basically says, you're, you're still stuck on Amartya. And she says, yes, I am. And ask Kelly why. And she says, we, we always want what we can't have. Which I thought was like kind of a rough line. Like, who says she can't have Brandon? It's not like he's taken. Like, why can't mm-hmm. she have him? Like, it's they flirted. They almost hooked up. Yeah, know, so. they've been will they won't they for a while now. Yeah, I don't think it's a can't have situation. Andrea tells says Kelly's at least has something. And Kelly says, yeah, sure. When I was a freshman, I threw myself at a guy and I ended up getting basically thrown in a bush and left uh, afterward. And that after she tried to live up to the reputation of being easy. But now she never knows that she's being asked out because of that or because the guy likes her. And Kelly says not to feel sorry for yourself. You're not missing out on anything. And that she can never go back to where Andrea is at. And Andrea says, I wish we could meet in the middle. And Kelly says, maybe we already have. Andrea tracks down John, who decides not to go. He says he wasn't up for it today. He doesn't feel like he's part of the gang. And Andrea says it's because of Brandon. And he says, no, I like Brandon. Everyone likes Brandon. Uh, but he feels left out of the jokes when Andrea's not around. And John says, just because you have four hooves doesn't mean you have to follow the herd. And says it was in that great article that he read. And uh, he reveals it was him that actually wrote that article about being the last virgin on earth or whatever. And uh, Andrea blew off the article and she's like, that was you. You're a virgin too. Uh, and Andrea says, okay, let's go to West Hollywood. Let's go to the pamphlet trip. John says, they'll go with her. And then Andrea says, what if we see a movie afterward? And he accepts right away. He's all smiles. Finally broken through out of the friend zone. And, uh, and Andrea sees what we've seen the whole episode is that he's into her. Uh, but she's been so hyper fixated on Brandon that she was missing all the signs from Mr. Griffin uh, mm-hmm. that he he wanted a piece of the Zuck. Um, so before we get to the last two scenes here, Tim, uh, any thoughts on on these few in the middle here? Uh, again, a good scene between Andre and Brandon where like he still is not coming off well. It's like he's trying to apologize, but doing it in a really shitty way because it's like now you're making me feel bad and again credit to these writers for giving her the line that basically says hey you know the onus is not on me to forgive you like i'm the one who got stepped on and got my feelings hurt i don't have to forgive you like i'm working on it but i'm not there yet so step off and the show kind of makes clear like he is not going to be the person that 
is capable of cheering her up, uh, is mm -hmm. capable of getting through to her in the state that she's in right now. So uh, we get Kelly instead, interesting choice, who has this little heart-to-heart -heart with Andre, which I think was great. Um, because as much as these two characters have been sort of defined by how much they, they contrast one another, um, they do have this common ground, you know, whether it's yep. this interest in Brandon or strongly held convictions, you know, and it's not the first out, time too. like, it's not the sleepover, yeah. you know, Kelly mm -hmm. helped her through that. And, um, yeah, so not the first time that Kelly's kind of come to help her. Right. And so we see that they have this mutual respect for each other and we get a call back to that sleepover episode where Kelly kind of gives her that reminder of, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm not this girl. Everyone says mm -hmm. I am. I've been trying to live down that reputation for so long because I had this very, very negative sexual experience. So of course I'm not like all gung ho about sex, you know, yeah. Education's one thing, but um, I don't think we should be as casual about it as the attitudes are around here. It is kind of a big deal. Yeah. And makes it clear why she feels that way. And so, and then the revelation that, you know, she kind of had the hots for Brandon makes Andrea realize, oh, I'm not the only, only one who's been sisters owned by this guy, basically. <laughs> um, so I, I love them being able to connect. Uh, which we will continue to see throughout the series. Like that relationship was one that is a little bit underplayed, um, but I'm I'm a real fan of. Uh, good stuff there. John, I, how do we feel about the John Griffin character now as a potential love interest for Andrea? Because at first, the first time we saw him during the, the whole Emily Valentine blow up, he seemed pretty one-dimensional, right? Um, just kind of he this was, ambitious. He was into the stalker notes. He was all pumped up. For yeah, that. <laughs> uh, he's he's kind of like kind of a. Um, all right, not sure how we're supposed to feel about this guy. A little bit antagonistic, but here we uh, we learn that um, no, he's just very driven, like Andrea is. Um, he also has the hots for her, and hey, he's a virgin. <laughs> so <laughs> we got some dimension to him, not just. Uh, what we saw originally with this guy who was unnamed and we weren't even sure we would ever see again. Um, so I kind of, I kind of took to this character a little bit. Um, and I like kind of quietly rooting for, for him and Andrea now. So good wrap up there. Um, but yeah, this is, this is all pretty, pretty great material um, in the back half of this episode where again, we're getting more character focused, we're getting off of this, um, just the issue and where everybody stands and, and the facts behind, you know, STDs and whatever, like that's, that's one thing, but they have successfully used that to propel and say something about the characters and where they stand and their relationships with one another, um, which is what you should do with these issue of the week type episodes. It comes back to what I was saying at the beginning, where we have this idea where the people who you would expect to be, you know, on the side of, hey, condom distribution, mm -hmm. like more sex education in the schools would be coming from the, the villains, the the Kellys, the, the, the more experienced characters. But they actually have the more nuanced, immature uh, take on everything, 
that comes through here and actually balances out the more impetuous or just like uh, really aggressive, you know, let's let's hand hand out packets, let's bring every variety of condom that we get from from Andrea, John Griffin, and even like the naive David there. So it's good to see that those characters are uh, are are balancing the message here, and they they kind of it gives just more depth to the whole crew overall. I thought it was great in that way. Yeah, I mean, they, right, they know it's not all it's cracked up to be, maybe, from their experience, right? Like, mm -hmm. right. yeah, Brenda really enjoyed it with Dylan. I'm sure Dylan wants to get back at it, but, you know, they had a big pregnancy scare, and it kind of fucked them up. And, you know, Brandon doesn't seem in any rush right now. He seems more like a girlfriend kind of guy than, like, a hookup kind of guy, right? Steve's kind of the only guy who's had sex <laughs> and seems to still want to get in, get in. So it's like, although he said, yeah, no, he said he didn't need him. He, he turned down David. Well, was, yeah, well, he didn't want the, the free ass ones from David. He gets his own. <laughs> I'm sure better right. brand he, is my guess, but he's been pretty passive on, you know, am I forward? Am I against it? As far as, you know, sex education here. But a lot of that seems to come from a place of, well, this is Steve. I'm not really, I'm in a little bit of a dry spell right now. So what do I care? <laughs> Like, right, he is the one that where it feels a bit more superficial, but well, and he's he pining up to Kelly that. still too, and so he's, he's still like, pining for Kelly. Is always, the big yeah. yeah. That's why he's in the dry spell that he's right. in. Um, it's through his own making, real in you know not being able to move on. Um, so yeah, he's he's the one we don't get a lot of insight from as far as right, where do you stand on this, and it's well, it, like. Like everything when it comes to Steve and sex and his love life, it's just, eh, I don't know. It's not really working out for me right now. <laughs> At least Brandon right. got some wrestling lingo in. He got to say to <laughs> he was like, give me a face rate. Give me an eye gouge. Like, you know, Andre, yeah. hit me up. All right, let's get to our final couple of scenes. We go to the Martin house for the first time ever. Donna orders a pizza. David wants to give her money. Uh, he takes out his wallet. She doesn't want it. She says that it's on me. Uh, but as he opens the wall, his wallet, a condom falls out. Don and I still don't know if he did this on purpose or not. I couldn't tell. Mm. Um, but it falls out on the table, and Donna sees it. And she's like, oh, what's that? And he's like, well, I have other kinds, if you like other ones. And she's like, uh, okay. And David makes a move, but Donna ices him. She just wants to eat the pizza. Uh, he makes a move again, and they start to kiss. But again, she stops him. And David kind of uses her words against her. Well, like he botches the, you know, euphemism or whatever. He's like the pool. Uh, you want to? I want to teach you how to swim. <laughs> she screws that up. Donna's really nervous, and she says, "I don't intend to sleep with you." <laughs> Which is what a line. Um, yeah. And David says, "Okay, yeah, it's too soon. You're right." And she says, "Like basically, no, I'm not going to have sex with anybody. Uh, I'm saving myself until you know I have a husband." And. Uh, this is big news, right? We know that Donna's a virgin. We already mm -hmm. knew that. But this is the first time she says why. That she believes that she's going to wait till she's married. Donna says she cares about kids not getting sick. And, you know, she's worried about sexual health. But that doesn't mean she's interested in it. So, again, she's she's got rationalizations. She's not, like, bullshitting. It's, this is her stance, mm -hmm. right? She wants people to be safe. But that doesn't mean she has to be involved. Uh, David says, well, I don't have any STDs. And Donna says, my life is already too complicated enough for sex. David accepts it, and they roll on. And he says he's actually relieved uh, a little bit, too. So it looks like they're okay. They're on the same page now that uh, David knows he ain't going to be getting any as long as he's with Donna. But he seems to be okay about it because he likes her that much. Yeah. We then cut to the Taylor home where Kelly's on the phone and Jackie comes in. 
And she is a hot mess. And she says, don't you ever have unprotected sex because I'm pregnant. And what? we are shook. So Mel has gotten Jackie pregnant. Uh, she is not happy about it. Kelly's in shock. Uh, Jackie immediately projects this onto her daughter and tells her she better not ever do this stupid stupidity that she has done. Um, and we end on a cliffhanger. And this felt like the type of cliffhanger that would have happened before a break. And we've had multiple breaks, but this yeah. is one of the rare times we have an episode next week. So I don't know. It was weird. Um, this felt like an end of season type of thing, honestly, but uh, was we'll get an immediate yeah. follow-up in a week. But uh, Tim, what'd you think of the last two scenes? Whew. I mean, what a roller coaster because when all is said and done, this episode has like four endings, you know, and I kept thinking, all right, this is the wrap up. We're, we're going to be, Hitting credits pretty soon here. Nope, nope. Gotta gotta still deal with this scene. All right. Yep. Yeah. All right. So uh Brandon and Andrea are kind of okay now. And and Andrea seems to actually be moving on because she's interested reciprocating um John's affections. Okay, that, that's gonna be the end of the episode. Oh, oh shit, no. Donna's gotta have the conversation with David. And I'm like, oh wow, this is where that happens, right? This is the the big bombshell that donna is dropping here that is going to become a defining aspect of this character finally we get that you know more than halfway into the second season here um big big development there okay that's our episode no wait (laughs) here's jackie she's she's got something to tell kelly about what why oh she's pregnant oh that's why she kept talking about how she was sick in every scene that she was in mm-hmm. uh, throughout this. Well, they were yeah, foreshadowing. As as her stomach was wonky at dinner. I was like, oh, this is weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I'd kind of forgotten that detail a little bit. Cause it's like, maybe she's just being a little extra about, you know, they're at a sushi place or whatever. And she just, uh, you know, is not feeling it. Um, so I, I did not even, even knowing, you know, this, this character does, <laughs> have another child spoiler um in the course of this this series i was like that's eh, not that like didn't even occur to me that that's what this was going to be uh, i just completely forgot that that happened at this point and um yeah hell of a cliffhanger totally unexpected and i like i said i i wanted to keep watching it <laughs> it's like um that's why i'm so shocked that the the viewership the following week did uh did not reward this this show for its uh, very dramatic turns in that that yeah. third act. There had to be. We're gonna look was... in our next episode. We'll we'll try to remember to dig in, but there had to be something going on, like Olympic, a big Olympic night or so, something was mm. up that night because because yeah. the week after goes way back up. You know what I mean? Okay. So like, there's some kind of something happened that night because this yeah. should have been a people big were taping it because they had to watch something else instead. There's, something was going on. Something was going on. Hmm. All right. Any final thoughts, John, on the, the last couple of scenes? No, I yeah, I think Tim hit it. I loved it. Just one after one, one after the other, just going through these characters and giving us something of note that is mm-hmm. going to probably continue on in the story next week. Like that Donna and David thing, that's not going away. No. That's going to be part of their part of their story now. This Jackie thing is definitely not going away. And Andrea, that's you know, for the most part. That's not wrapped up. That's still going to be maybe she has this relationship that goes on. Although this is 
the end for John Griffin. I think he takes a bow after this. We don't see him again. Too bad. Uh, yeah, I didn't mind him. And then uh, Brendan Dillon as well, obviously. It's like uh, There's so much going on in here, uh, yeah. for sure. All right, let's get to our awards. Uh, best scene. There's a lot of options here. Um, it's really a pretty loaded episode, but I went with Donna's speech where she stood up to Felice out of the gate because that's not something that's always going to happen with the two of them. Um, so the fact that they had her right away stand out and stand up to her, um, I really like that scene. And Jim giving her the, the vote of confidence. Yeah, I, I have that on my short list. And I, I think for the sake of um, consensus, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. There's a lot of contenders in this episode. Um, but that's that's a really good one just for Donna and her character and how, how far she has come um, over the course of this series so far. Uh, yeah, I, you know, wanted to uh, get up and clap after after she said what she said. Good on Donna. Yeah, the, PT, the PTA meeting as its own set piece is is, you know, a perfect is, is a really well done scene. We get the the angry parents plus, you know, that don't want the kids there. But we also get the kids having some sort of adult opinion and Felice Martin. It's all one just like really. You really might great. count. Yeah, just that whole. You just get yeah, the whole, the whole meeting, meeting. I think it's maybe cheating, but yeah, I, I kind of see what, see what you mean. <laughs> all right. Most important scene. I don't usually like to cheat like this, but I'm going to go. With a four-way tie, um, because I think each of these things are important Jesus. in a different way. Okay, um, so Dylan getting mad at Brenda—we talked about that. I think that was important because it's the first time in a while we've seen him kind of get aggravated with her. Okay, so that's that's one. Uh, Andrea seemingly moving on from Brandon is a big part of the story, right? Because she's yeah. been obsessed with him yeah. since day one, and it seems like at the end she puts it aside to go out with John. Like her, her the. Blinders have been lifted for her, right? She's like, oh, this other guy likes me. What am I doing? Screwing around with this idiot. Um, number three, Jackie is pregnant. Uh, obviously, he's a big, most important scene contender. And number four is Donna explaining why she's a virgin and that she's going away from marriage and David's going to be on the side. So, like, I felt like they were all important. If I had to pick one... I'd go with Donna because that's the most long lasting mm -hmm. important angle that we're going to get that, that really drives a lot of the show going forward. Um, but I thought all four were worth a note because I thought that we've had weeks where we've had barely anything important. Right. Um, yeah. Right. But this felt like so much importance. I wanted to call it all out. Yeah. All very valid contenders um, in this episode. I, I think I would also, at a push, give it to Donna's revelation at the end. Um, only because it's for a character who throughout the course of just this one episode has seemed so sexually forward to kind of pump the brakes at the end of it and be like, Oh no, it's, it's not because I'm so eager to do it. It's, you know, that I, I want to be informed when I do feel like I'm, I'm ready um, for that to happen for me. But for me personally, um, I'm not there yet and not going to be there for a long time. And it's not coming from a place of I'm being, you know, puritanical about it or mm -hmm. have some weird ideas about like how, you know, I'm going to burn in hell or, you know, these terrible things are going to happen. I'm gonna, it makes me a terrible person or there's no slut shaming involved or anything like no. that. It's just it's like, I just don't is, want it. 
yeah, just her personal convictions. And it doesn't have to go further than I don't, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to, you don't owe anyone an explanation beyond that, whether you're single dating or otherwise. So, um, yeah. And it's like for the sake of, it gives us a nice swerve in this episode, but it's, it's going to continue to inform Mm -hmm. this character as like pretty much her most defining aspect. Um, for the better part of this series. And we're talking about a character who is on the show for its entire 10 year mm-hmm. run. Right. So, um, and this is a big part of it for at least like seven seasons. So. Yeah. Well, is- yeah. I mean, we, we are going to get to a point where, you know, but even still, um, look how focused that you can look at the jump ahead to the series finale of this. And um, mm-hmm. it's pretty Donna focused and, focused on her growth right and a lot yeah i mean she ends up really with kelly i'd say kelly and donna really end up being the the Mm -hmm. two like what the story ends up being about in the end right it starts with the walsh story and yeah kind of ends as a donna and kelly story but um what's your most important john it's the donna scene at the end for me uh it and you know the episode has so many like high points but the fact you guys have touched on it a bit that it informs on that character and is a part of of who she is for the next for the next it is seven seasons i think six seasons she carries through before like she and david finally sleep together but we get this as a part of her relationship with ray as a part of her relationship with joe as a part of her relationship Mm -hmm. with david it's it's always going to come up and so to have it uh you know here at that point is yeah it's 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 important for the for the long haul of the season of the show all right. Uh, most 90s look, I went with David's faux leather quarter zip in the last scene. Mm. Um, it, just, it would have that typical 90s, like, brown leather that was a big hit, and it was like a weird quarter zip kind of thing. So, I had John Griffin had a, a blue and white striped shirt that had multiple stripe patterns on it at one point. <laughs> yeah, uh, I took note of that. Yeah. Like patchwork yeah, stripe was... patterns that was... Mm-hmm. Oh, I I definitely could say I probably tried to pull off something like that or like a a paisley ver- version of that at some point, you know, at that at that time in the 90s, but yeah, that that was it. Signals <laughs> that, was... that you're the um preppy intellectual kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah, it was like it was like, "Hey, wait, we can wear shirts with collars at, at school <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of just the t-shirts." Yeah. That's a good one. I will also call out um we don't see too much of it, but at the at the um, PTA meeting, uh, Jackie has this like kind of power suit with weird like blocks, multicolored <laughs> blocks. I don't even know how else to describe it really. That it just looks like something from a music video <laughs> from the early nineties, um, <laughs> but it makes a lot of sense for her character. All right, most '90s moment. I had the Japanese restaurant, um, extremely mm. '90s, and then like the AIDS scare. Obviously, it's always very '90s, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, sex education being a conversation that can be had without um, people throwing fists. It's pretty yeah. '90s. The mention um, of the mention of Magic Johnson. And the like, mm. hey, maybe one day we'll get to a point where this is these frank conversations can happen. That was very, very yeah. like 90s type um, moment, blossom type talk. 
it's a little thing, but Dylan has an Ann Landers drop at one point where um, he's talking to David about the non-advice that uh, that was exchanged. Um, that's right. He's like, what do I look like, Ann Landers? <laughs> um, so again, that's something that's going to be totally lost on people who just don't know that name. We're not around Dylan, how about Dylan just hanging out in the diner reading the newspaper? The, 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 just more oh, character yeah. For him, that I love. Yeah. <laughs> what should he be doing? Well, oh, he's just reading the newspaper after, yeah. after school. Old fashioned high school student. <laughs> uh, all right. Most, uh, oh, best lesson learned uh, don't have unprotected sex with Mel Silver. That's my, <laughs> my lesson learned. Pretty good one. Yeah. Um, I have, well, it kind of twofold. Um, one is that uh, abstinence is is not the only answer when it comes to sex education. However, even though everybody might be talking about it or talking about it, as this episode title puts it, not everybody's actually doing it. You see, it's a fine line. Uh, I had that, you know, if we ever need seatbelts, we can get from some from David Silver. <laughs> Steve's, Steve's all the protection note. you need. Yes. You um, get there's always there's one kid in school who's going to who's going to have you covered. Big yeah. bag of condoms. <laughs> uh, best hookup. I went John and Andrea. Really kind of the only one. I guess well, David and Donna was good, too. Uh, John and Andrea felt pure at the mm-hmm. end. <laughs> so I want that. I think David and Andre, David and Andre, Jesus God, David and Donna um, continue to have pretty good chemistry. They seem Mm -hmm. like a very natural, like on-screen couple. I don't know if anything was going on between the two, maybe behind the scenes, but they they seem very comfortable with each other, which helps considering how much we are going to see of them um, before all said and done with this show, really. Uh, but as far as yeah, hookups newest for us are going to be John and Andrea. Yeah, we'll go John and Andrea. John was you know very eager at first and kind of nervous about how to how to express it himself, and you know was writing the columns in secret to try to, to try to get try to impress Andrea and really uh, going all out. But then finally got to go to the movies with her. So good for John. John right, Griffin, the actor for you guys, if you watch Winning Time, plays David Stern in in a. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah, that, that's hmm. that's what he's gone on to do. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, all right, uh, quotes. I, ha- I had two, both from Brandon. Uh, Nat, your jungle stud you, which I still don't know what that means. Um, and then, if you had more experience, you would know love is not a public health issue from Brandon. Just a ice of a line right there. Yeah, yeah. I I had a couple. Um, just kind of continuing from that conversation, we have uh, Andrea's. Uh, this thing has momentum. It has got a life of its own. And Brandon firing <laughs> back. Maybe you should get a life of your own before it's too late. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, yeah that as well. <laughs> she does. She does have a good like little rejoinder there because the next day he's like trying to trying to just brush it off and. um she just goes, excuse me. I don't want to get anyone's face and alienate them. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. Using <laughs> words against him there. Um, we have, uh, and you mentioned it earlier, Steve, earlier in the episode. Um, 
Andrea, what's going on? I was supposed to get out of English lit for the sex survey. <laughs> it's just so like he doesn't give a fuck about anything but himself, and it's so great. It's like he doesn't even care to hide it. He's just like, I don't give a shit what your reason is, and or he doesn't even know what it is. Out of you. All he knows it was a survey about sex, and he had it, got to miss class, and neither of those things occurred. And he, and he doesn't have to read Brave New World. Brave <laughs> he was mad about it. Yeah. We have uh, Brandon. Here's the, the post-parents uh, meeting. Remember that time Cheryl came out from Minnesota, and we uh, uh, he just <laughs> like doesn't continue, just cuts himself off. Um, Kelly gets a good one with. Uh, a very abrupt as she just walks onto the scene. Basically, Brandon, I don't know what you people from the Blaze are trying to accomplish, but I appreciate it if you leave me out of it. You people, I love a good you people, as you know. Um, lastly, David to Dylan, um, you know, reflecting on the advice that wasn't given, he he says it wasn't so much what you said; it was the way you didn't say it. So that I think is what invited the uh, Ann Landers mm-hmm. line from Dylan. So uh, bonding, some bonding here between David and Dylan, I guess, which we haven't touched on. But man, they've had it going, going a little here. bit. We always come back to them every now and then, and they have their little yeah, every now and then, all the way back to the computer lab with Scott. <laughs> uh, any other ones, Scott? Done? Good. I had a, uh, I had just from from the first of you know apologies to Brandon. Sorry your mug didn't make the cut. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just that nobody talks like in the, even in the nineties people weren't mm-hmm. saying mug for face. Right. You get the, like yeah. weird <laughs> weird lines inside in there, and uh, uh, that's probably it. Yeah, yeah, that was my big one. <laughs> All right, uh, final grade. I, look, this is a very strong episode. There's a lot going on. It's jam-packed. I went eight and a half. Um, that puts it on the line with Euphoria, which I liked a lot. Uh, I reserved the nine to ten range for, like, all-timers. Um, like, my last nine was uh, the Emily destroying, like, the end of Emily, basically, which is, like, a big one. Um, mm-hmm. So I think this is, like, just below that all-time. Like, I didn't remember this episode until I saw it. So for me, that disqualifies yeah. me for being, like, an all-timer. But it's as close as you could get because so much happened. Well, I, I share your logic in that I I would not want to reserve nine or ten for a for anything but an all timer either. And going into this, I I didn't particularly remember that much about it either. So I thought, no way can this be an all timer. But you know what? It got there for me. Yeah, I I, I was surprised. I I didn't remember as david would say as much as i didn't because it's just there's so much happening here um and it's all really well done it's it's big big character movements a lot of momentum um but all handled really well just a real master class in in 90s primetime drama um tour de force this episode for me i'm i'm giving it the nine i'm yeah, um, feeling like this this is an all timer for me. I, I mean, I'm tempted to go like nine and a half. I I really um, thought this one broke the mold. Awesome, awesome episode. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm w- I'm with you guys on uh, the not remembering it at first, and you know when it was the ev- just looking at the title and everybody's talking about it. 
I immediately thought that this was going to be like the episode where they have Rosie O'Donnell come and talks to them about sex. That's they what I was thinking it. this was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They retread this subject matter uh, a couple of times. Well, we've and, already had an AIDS episode anyway. This is already the second AIDS yes. episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so that's why it didn't stick out for me at first when we jumped into it. But then, like you said, Tim, the fact that so much is packed into it, I think as we've seen with them feeling the writers feeling more comfortable with giving other characters involved and as they're kind of finding their own their own rhythm for building stories and for stretching them out and planting seeds here this is a real real home run for that so i would jt i can't put this up at euphoria but i would put this in, in my in my eight range I, I would give it an eight solid eight really just a, a great episode and uh you know top shelf for the nine to one oh these early seasons. Were you on? Was Euphoria you? Was it you were on that one? Yeah, I did Euphoria. Okay, yeah, right, there you go, pretty good. Excellent. Um, okay, uh, trackers. We had uh, new characters. We had uh, Evan Eber or uh, Ebony Bear, <laughs> as he's known as um, Felice Martin, Bill Slum, and Sheila Manners. I mean, we had those other council members, but they weren't really like on enough. They didn't drive any kind of the story at all. So they gotta pay attention them. to see if Miss Manners is on the on the council when they vote for Donna Martin later on. Oh, right. That's, I wonder if we're gonna see yeah if we'll see them again uh before right. Donna Martin graduates. Check back in a year. Uh relationships mm -hmm. we have uh John and Andrea, David and Donna and Felice and Sheila. Besties to the end. <laughs> Uh, places and things. We have the Board of Education, the Japanese restaurant, the Martin Home. I think that was all for new new places. The, the Martin uh, Home. We she. I think Donna hosted a. She hosted the party where Brandon party. got drunk. Oh, that that's was, right. Okay, yeah. But it seemed like a very different house. Yeah, yeah. Um, it probably was. That's that, right. I'll take it sets, off. Some of those sets in the first season were just so one time only. I think, but. You know, I suppose it's possible she could have moved, and we just I mean, they didn't do much with the Martin home here. It's just a, them sitting in a couch. Yeah, so. yeah, they're just yeah, sitting there. We didn't really get much of the aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, all right, songs according to our little tracker here was "I Want You" by Jody Watley. That's when they do the tracking shot with Andre and Brandon and John and David and Donna and blah blah blah. Um, and then "The Birds and the Bees" by Jewel Akins uh, at the Peach Pit. Everyone celebrates Andrea's achievements. Uh, after her big win at the, the board meeting. So that's that. Um, all right, let's get to our ranking. We have moved from 17 to 18 tonight with the addition of Felice Martin. We're going to put her in the mix. Um, mm. We have four no-shows, only four, because we had a lot of side characters in tonight. Uh, Henry, Iris, Scott, and Emily all get zeros. I went ahead and slotted Nat in at the bottom, <laughs> gave, him, gave yeah. him a five, <laughs> the jungle stud that he is. Uh, I put him last. Uh, so who would you have next? I think it's a mix of probably Cindy, mm -hmm. uh, Mel. Well, no, Mel was good. I would say. I was going to say him. Yeah, we got. We got to have. Cindy Mel seems. The, yeah, Cindy seems like the logical. Yeah, next. She's okay. there, but she really doesn't. Didn't do shit. Have anything um, going all right. On. So then, yeah. would you do Jim or Felice next? I do Jim. I think Felice makes a mm -hmm. very strong debut. Right, Felice is more impactful. Just, yeah, yeah, overall, even even with with fewer words. All right, so we got Felice, we have Mel, and then we have the the regular cast, the kids. So there's Jackie. Let's not forget. Oh, and Jackie. I think I'd go Jackie next. I think she really only doesn't do much of the meeting, 
Right. And then the line at the end is a big one. I feel like Dylan's in this mix as well. Um, this is a tough one. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of everyone like kind of deserves a high ranking in this one, but I know that's the thing. It's, it's tough. Cause everybody kind of showed up. Um, I think I'd go Cindy, Jim, Jackie. Yeah. Then I would say Felice or Dylan next. Oh man. That's tough. Uh, I would put maybe Steve. Or, honestly, or, I mean, oh yeah, Steve. Steve's got to be. Steve's got to be pretty down there. For I me, would the, put uh, Dylan at least like, over Steve, right? Would you put like, Steve over Jackie? Yeah, no, because yeah. Jackie, yeah, Steve doesn't I get guess. pregnant. Yeah, all right. That's, <laughs> right. That's Steve I think Jackie. Jackie is honestly only here to remind us that she exists before she drops the bomb that she's pregnant. Right. Yeah. So you want Steve? Which is big, but higher. What yeah. are we going? Um, Steve higher than Jackie. I'm 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 with him. Sorry, John. Oh, all right. So Jackie, then Steve, then I mean, I th- I think of the kid. Are you are you still Brenda? About Felice, or you in the kids? Mm. Well, we got Felice, we got Dylan, and Mel. Maybe do we Brenda. do Mel. Well, I don't for know. Me, kids, for me, the kids. Honestly, Brandon is the is the worst here, just because he's not. I, yeah, I, Brand, I, Brandon sucks in this stuff. It's yeah, the, yeah, the, but he's so big in the story, though. He's you know big I mean? in the story, but I must. It's one. It's one of these cases where even though they have a lot of screen time, I kind of want to. Do you want to go Brandon below Dylan in this episode? Absolutely. Maybe yeah, maybe. Dylan has this, this a huge Dylan <laughs> Dylan pivot point here. Really, All, right. Actual Dylan All right, I'm I'm okay with it. That's fine. All right, so Brandon I could go either way, but yeah, I mean All right, so Brandon at 10. Um so we got Brenda, Dylan, Mel. We still got Felice. I mean, you got Felice over Brandon in this one? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Strong debut for the character. All right. Well, at some point they got to. She'll never place this hot. She'll never she's place. Not, this do you want to put David again. next? Yeah, she's not gonna get. She's not gonna get up here again. But. Do you want to put David next? I mean, he's yeah, good. He, he but... needs to come up at some. Yeah, he needs to come up um, around this area. Mel, I mean, where's Mel top out here for you guys? <laughs> I mean, he's great mm-hmm. in the council meeting. Mm. The council meeting and the dinner, dinner he's giving, yeah, he's good at dinner. And saying good luck. Good at dinner with the the lame joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe right above Felice. So are they next, or do you want to go Brenda Dillon next? Like what? This is a hard one. This is one of the hard ones we've had. Yeah, it's right, who's your number? Who's our number one? What's our agreement? Donna. 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 Okay. Donna. Yeah. Wow, Donna number one. And I would go Andrea Strong number two. Yep. Yeah, I agree. All right. So that leaves us with Dylan, Brenda, Felice, Mel. Dylan, Brenda, Felice, Mel, David. All right. Let's let's maybe do the adults at the lo- at the bottom of that group. Yeah. Just Oh, Kelly. Where do we want Kelly? Above above Brandon. I've got her like I've got her like third, honestly. Okay. Which is weird because she's She's not in it a lot, but right. I think her I think her scene with Andrea carries a lot of weight. All right, so that, Kelly con- yeah, that contribution and and throughout just her presence of mind about about the subject matter is you know the most eloquently stated outside of you know maybe Donna's speech. All right, so Kelly's third. So we got Dylan, Brenda, Mel, Felice. And I'm missing one more. 
I would put Dylan over Brenda just because Brenda's still been consistent as the same character, whereas Dylan mm -hmm. is is revealing something different about himself here. All right, so they're higher than police. Higher than no. Mel and yeah, higher than the adults. I'm missing then. someone. Oh, David. So you want to put David, David above Brandon? Is that fine with him? Below yes. Mel and Felice? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then you want Felice yeah. and then Mel above her? <laughs> I guess so. I, I don't think is Mel ever gonna I get right. Mel, Mel top five finish. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and Felice as high as she like, yeah. I, I could go either way on Mel or, or Felice, but I think that's the right kind of landing position right. for them. All right. Um all right, Tim, tell us what's going on and buy me buy me a minute here because there's, <laughs> there's a lot a lot of uh math oh to be done here for this one. It's, a lot of, it's more a lot than of usual math for, for sure. this for this one, yes. Um okay, so we are 902 on no so of course. So if you like what you're hearing, um, regardless of how you, you found us, please subscribe today if you are not already subscribed. Uh, leave us some feedback as well, leave us a positive review if you will because that will boost our rankings. Nice non-monetary way to support the show. Uh, we are a spinoff, of course, of the North-South Connection Podcast Network. So if you want to get into the wider world of pop culture, just uh, search North-South Connection on your preferred podcatcher app. Find a lot of great content really running the gamut. Um we also have an Instagram presence. It is called 9021NoSoShow. That's the Instagram account. We get some uh, pretty cool feedback there from time to time. So feel free to, uh, to say a few kind words there, if you will, uh, as an Instagram user. And we also have a Facebook profile as well. Just search for us, 9021NoSo. will be very easy to find if you want to interact with us on that forum as your preferred social media network of choice on x twitter whatever it's called these days i think your best bet is to just hit me up if you're inclined i am at psych 68 cyke68 on twitter just my personal twitter um my dms are open you can also just uh tweet at me about the show about whatever's on your mind um, again, all these channels are great for getting in touch with us and we will share any feedback, um, hopefully positive. I don't know if we've had any negative that, um, we've received in the first place, but, um, you know, if you think we really suck and could do a whole lot better, I'll take uh, constructive criticism. How about that? Uh, write to us as well. If you want to shoot us an email, um, 9021noso at gmail.com. Com. I think that about covers it. JT, how are you looking? Uh, uh, yeah, Tim, I'm I'm ready. So here we go. Uh, all right, this episode: Henry, Iris, Scott, Emily, zeros, Nat, five, Cindy, six, then Jim, then Jackie, then Steve, then Brandon. It's going to be one of his lowest finishes ever, if not his mm -hmm. lowest. Uh, then David, so. then Felice, <laughs> then Big Mel Silver. Uh, then Brenda, then Dylan, then Kelly, Andrea, and Donna with the number one finish. Here's our season two rankings. Felice enters it at the bottom with 12 points. Right above her is Iris at 16. Scott forever at 38. Mel at 41. Jackie at 42. Henry at 47. We jump up to Nat the Jungle Stud at 71. 
Emily at 94. Then we leap way up to Cindy at 186, Jim at 194. We have a, a big conglomerate in the middle here. David at 200, Donna at 201, Andrea at 202, Kelly at 213, Steve at 217, Dylan's at 259, Brenda at 276, and Brandon pacing the way at 294. <clears throat> and then all time, we have Felice at the bottom now at 12, Iris with 16, Mel at 41, Henry at 47, Jackie at 55, Emily at 94, Scott in Memorial at 102, mm. Nat at 121, Donna still in her own world at 282, David at 326, Andrea at 345, Jim 352, Cindy 353, which is crazy that they're like yeah. back to back. Uh, Kelly at 382. We jump up to Steve at 408. Dylan's out ahead of him at 418. Brenda's 100 points ahead of Dylan at 519. And then Brandon at 535, and which I assume will probably be an insurmountable lead. Uh, go he's, gone, he's gone for like a season and a half at the end, right? Or two seasons. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, but he's up. I mean, we know Brenda's going to go at some point. So he has a 120-ish point lead on Dylan. Uh, so Dylan's going to lose. He was also going to be gone for. Yeah, yeah he's going to be gone more soon. More than. Yeah. So Steve is like maybe the only one in the Kelly, like. But even Kelly's like a buck fifty behind him, so we'll see. I'm holding out hope. It's only a couple seasons away, but like, it's a crime if Emily Valentine can't find those eight points to overtake Scott Scanlon. Like she's only has like two she, more appearances. That's enough. Eight. She'll get enough to get eight. She'll, she'll get there. Even though she's got the awful hair. All right, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Let's wrap up. John, thanks for joining us. Uh, Tim will be back in three weeks with another great episode and another guest. And uh, always fun to talk to Nana Tuna with you, my buddy. And I uh, look forward to the next one already. Have a little dim sum, a little dem sum, and we'll talk to you soon.